Are you considering bariatric surgery? Do you think you may have binge eating disorder? The trifecta of binge eating, obesity, and bariatric surgery can create a complex health situation. Hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist, Dr. Susan Mitchell. Let's go beyond bariatric surgery and talk about everything you need to move on. Just ahead, let's answer a lot of your questions. If you've had bariatric surgery, you need a specific bariatric multivitamin, not an off-the-shelf version. There's a big difference. In Australia, choose BN Multi. Find them at beyondbariatricsurgery.com in the shop. Joining me via Skype from Orlando, Florida is Karen Bierbauer, a registered dietitian nutritionist and certified eating disorder dietitian. Karen serves on the Senior Advisory Board for the International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals, known as IADEP, and is an IADEP Fellow. For years, she was an instructor training bariatric physicians and brings her knowledge and experience to her patients in Orlando as well as through telehealth. You can find out more about Karen on our website, beyondbariatricsurgery.com. Just click on podcast for her episode and then the show notes. Welcome to the podcast, Karen. Thank you. It's great to be here, Suzanne. So this may come as a surprise, but binge eating disorder can occur with or without obesity. How does BED differ from overeating? Well, there is definitely a difference. You're exactly right, Susan. BED is a disorder with its own definition and can occur in those who do not even experience a weight challenge. Whereas overeating is defined as consuming more calories than calories that you expend. That can be within a day or over a period of time. Overeating may or may not be associated with any kind of food pattern or have a particular emotional connection. Some people will move out of their caloric balance because of change in their normal eating or exercise routine and gradually gain weight. The imbalance could come from a job change that moves someone from an active position and then all of a sudden they get a desk job or uh, some change in their food preparation um, where they were maybe cooking a little more at home and spending more time and all of a sudden that's gotten interrupted and they're changing some of the foods that they're bringing into the home. They might be eating out more often. They might getting start getting flavored coffees with whipped cream on it and, you know, just getting themselves out of that balance. You know, and I often think of that overeating is more tied to day, to day in and day out stress of just things, oh, yeah. uh, things that you're dealing with versus... BED, which you're going to talk about, is a defined disorder or illness. Right. BED definitely, in contrast to overeating, is is a defined disorder or illness. And so the signs that we look for in BED are are very concrete and particular. And they include both behavioral and emotional. And I think that's a very important point. So talk about those. Right. In order to actually meet um, the criteria to have a diagnosis of binge eating disorder, there has to be, uh, most of these conditions have to be met, uh, you know, and again, the clinical professional would determine determine that, but they include feeling a lack of control over the amount of food consumed, feeling anxious and distraught over a binge episode. The binge episode has to occur at least one time per week for three months to meet that that disease criteria. Consuming substantial amounts of food, even when not physically hungry. And then eating food quickly in a short period of time. 
eating food until uncomfortably full, and often eating in isolation due to shame about the amount of food eaten and hiding the evidence of that, and then feeling disgust, embarrassment, or guilt after the overeating episode. Okay, so clarify for me here. And someone's listening, they might be saying, okay, I, yeah, I do some of those things, but I don't do all of them. In a diagnosis, when someone's asking you, or you're talking about this and sharing what's going on, do you have to meet all of these or just a few? And do they vary person to person? Oh, they, they do vary. Um, and that's where, again, a trained eating disorder clinician is going to recognize what of these symptoms are there, how many are there, but also the intensity of those. Um, because there are oftentimes people will have binge eating disorder that don't experience any disruption in their actual balanced weight because it may be accompanied by restriction of other meals to allow for the calories that they're taking in in the binge. So again, there's an emotional component there that has to be uh, evaluated in driving these behaviors. So is bariatric surgery a good treatment if you are obese and you also have BED? Well, bariatric surgery can indeed be helpful in situations um, where BED does occur, especially if there are other health concerns present, such as diabetes, cardiovascular disease. Bariatric surgery can reverse adult onset diabetes. And so we have to see what kind of um, time are we looking at and would the person really benefit from getting this health wise benefit from getting this weight off very quickly. However, BED is an eating disorder that is a biologically based emotional illness with a very strong psychological component. So this illness requires a treatment team that also includes the ED specialists, such as a dietitian trained with eating disorders, a therapist trained with eating disorders, and knowing that if if you're getting this surgery and self-esteem is the reason for seeking it out, then there's going to be a problem. Because if you come into bariatric surgery with an eating disorder such as BED, you're going to leave with the eating disorder. So that, you know, that's a risk and that we know that the surgery itself isn't going to treat both. And you can actually undo the surgery and gain all of the weight back. Okay, I'm sure people are going, whoa, what, yeah. you, what did you just say? <laughs> so bariatric surgery, you know, of course, is designed to de decrease gastric or stomach capacity. What do you mean gain the weight back if it's designed to decrease the amount of foods you eat? Right. But and that is a it's a concern and it's a scare. It's a fear. Um, but depending on the type of surgery, the most common being the sleeve gastrectomy, adjustable gastric banding or gastric bypass. If you continue binging, which again, remember, is driven by an emotional need, not by hunger. So that emotional need can override the hunger and the binging can continue. And you may challenge that gastric capacity, risking more medical complications, as well as intensifying the physical discomfort with food intake. This can lead to stretching of the stomach, possible deterioration of the stomach band, nausea, and spilling over stomach contents into the abdomen. So whereas these procedures, like you said, do reduce the gastric capacity, 
they do not address the emotional and psychiatric concerns associated with BED and other eating disorders. And there are a number of eating disorders related behaviors that are directly related that can occur after surgery and loss of control with your eating. The more traditional binge may be replaced by overeating through more numerous small meals or larger meals that actually disrupt the surgical efforts with numerous side effects and sometimes a regain of the lost weight. Be just a type of grazing throughout the day rather than eating a large volume of food at one time, but still using food to meet your emotional needs. And we think of binge eating as taking place as one or two overeating events in the day or during the week, but listening to you, are there other types of binging that can occur? Absolutely. Um, and again, this is where we're getting a lot more information, a lot more research and a lot more insight as to what's going on with with the the patient's issues at the time of interview. So other types of binging can include picking at food, grazing, and nibbling. While many of us engage in this type of eating, we think, okay, well, I do that. Um, But it becomes an eating disorder when it reaches the extent's extent of meeting many of the signs that we talked about in in the initial list. So that becomes more driven by an emotional need for the food. Okay, so where does that tie into routinely eating during the night? Is this also binge eating disorder? Yes, night eating syndrome is a subcategory of of binge eating disorder. And when you eat more than 25% of your total daily calories after dinner, um, you often wake up at night and eat. But in order to meet the diagnosis, in addition to those things, three of the five following criteria must be met. And one of those, um, or among those, are no morning appetite, urges to eat during the evening, believing that eating is necessary for you to return to sleep, and experience a depressed mood that may worsen in the evening, and also sleep disturbances. But what I'd also like to add, Susan, is that there are, there are situations with um, night eating syndrome where patients won't even remember the next day that it occurred. They have no knowledge that they were getting up in the night. It becomes almost like a routine that they're, again, fulfilling this cycle or ritual and that they just know that they were there engaging in in eating and food intake by containers that were left out or evidence that was left in the kitchen. Interesting. And, you know, you mentioned too, like grazing, nibbling. What about trigger foods and all of this? What role do they play? Well, when we're talking about BED, certain foods may lead to or initiate a binge or a binge cycle. However, what I really want to emphasize is that BED is more than just awareness about a specific food trigger and saying, okay, well, let's just get rid of that food. It requires a much more in-depth evaluation on the ritual or the predictability of the cycle surrounding the eating. So you need to look at where does this eating take place? When does it occur? Is it planned or spontaneous? I mean, I've had patients that plan their binge for for several days before it occurs. What are the emotions felt before, after, or during the binge? And so it's not simple and it's not about a single food. We have to really get the whole picture to propose the proper redirection 
for those patients suffering with that. So this, this information is really helpful in understanding some of the physical concerns of BED and bariatric surgery. Do patients with BED differ in their recovery from bariatric surgery emotionally? Well, it is an important issue to discuss because they have a lot more to deal with. As with any recovery from an eating disorder, the goal is to normalize your relationship with food and to respond to what your body needs. If you enter this surgery with BED, you are already struggling with food being used as a coping mechanism to regulate emotions. The normal hunger cues are already a bit chaotic and they're not responding to their hunger in a normal fashion. So following bariatric surgery, the attention is highly focused on the physical meal plan and responding to new levels of fullness and sensitivity to that so that they don't disrupt the, the physical changes that have been implemented by the surgery. For those that suffer with BED, you have to continue to work on developing new coping outlets and behaviors as well so they're not using the food to meet their emotional demands. Okay, so what about when you have a friend or a family member who says, okay, just be more aware, just be more mindful about how much you eat. BED is way more than just the amount eaten or mindfulness, right? Yeah, mindfulness is an extremely useful and powerful term uh, tool that we use in the treatment of disordered eating. And I see that, but... I guess what I should say, my, my view on that is that it would be insulting to assume that just being more mindful with food would be enough intervention for a person with BED who is contemplating bariatric surgery. This requires a highly individualized and comprehensive treatment plan designed for not only pre-surgery, but for each stage of their recovery, including medical, emotional, and their nutritional goals. In regards to the hunger that you mentioned, binge eating has been related to a dysfunction in the signaling system of some of the hormones that are related to hunger. So these hormone changes, in addition to the changes of the gastric or stomach capacity, can affect these satiety signals or the signals that lead us to feel satisfied by the food that we eat. So yes, in a word, it's complicated. Yeah, and I think complication then working towards success really takes a team approach. Talk about why you're big on team approach, why it's so important. Well, right now, the industry standard for eating disorder treatment is to have it treated with a team, working together to manage the behaviors, the physical well-being of the patient, and then the actual food meal plan and nutritional rehabilitation to establish a, you know, a new relationship with food. Each team member on an eating disorder team is working on specific specific aspects of the treatment plan and staying in very close communication to handle challenges and issues as they occur because there is a you know a, a an element of manipulation within the eating disorder diagnosis itself it truly does take a village to prevent the relapse and achieve full recovery and of course full recovery is what we're looking for here if you're considering surgery 
Should you be screened for BED or other eating disorders before the procedure? Um, absolutely, that's the current recommendation. Up until now in the U.S., screening for bariatric surgery has been pretty comparable to kind of premarital counseling that occurs after the wedding venue has been rented, the bride's dress purchased. And then it's like, okay, well, we need to get you screened by a dietitian for this surgery, one or two sessions, and we're often required by the insurance carrier after the surgery date has already been set. So just like a bride's not going to cancel that wedding based on the fact that some outsider says, you know, you know, maybe you two ought to rethink this. Um, usually a, a patient at that point is not going to change um, their surgery date and reconsider other options. However, presently there are some clinics now, including a more thorough assessment um, of the screening for eating disorders. But unfortunately, these are not yet the industry standard nor is the eating disorder screen necessarily done by a specialist in eating disorders. So if you've already had the surgery or you're prepared for the surgery coming up soon, what should you do if you binge eat and you know it? You know, it's really hard to come forward with some of the behaviors associated with binge eating. Again, remember I said in the initial criteria, there's an element of shame, a feeling of disgust or embarrassment. As hard as it is to put those aside, um, those who deal with eating disorders know that BED is not a choice. It is an illness and demands the same attention and respect to the symptoms as any other illness. Patients have to trust that their caregivers will understand and provide the safety needed for the patients to be honest and thorough in the disclosure and reporting of their behaviors and how often they're occurring. So the best approach would be to discuss the binging with your physician, request the addition of a trained eating disorder uh, professional or a number of them on your team, such as a dietitian and therapist who work in this area, um, to help you and assure that your recovery is going to be as successful as possible. And really, that's what we're all about, is the recovery from your surgery and being able to move on with a happy and healthy life. So I think what I hear you say is sooner than later, finding the right therapist and the right trained dietitian and starting to work on these issues before surgery, if possible. Right. Um, as with any health condition, if all the symptoms and behaviors are disclosed and you've got that dream team is in place and working ahead of the surgery, the patient will have less challenges following the surgery and can move directly into a well-aligned treatment plan for them. Yeah, I love that. The dream team, you know, finding who you need, who you need specific to your situation. And each situation is different. Absolutely. So what's the most important takeaway that you want to leave us with? Well, I, I always want people to know that those of us that work with this illness recognize that no two individuals are challenged by food or have gained weight for the same reason. We can't just pigeonhole this and make assumptions as to how a person came to this place. We have to take the time to talk um, with the patient in depth. Patients have to trust that they're working with a professional who's trained in eating disorders and bariatric surgery, and that there's help in the decision process 
as well in the recovery journey. That's what's really going to have make for a successful outcome. Karen, this is very real. It's honest and it's helpful information. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. I'm very glad to be able to reach out to the population on this. Thank you so much. And don't forget, subscribe to our Beyond Beatrix Surgery podcast on your favorite podcatcher, such as iTunes and Google Play. If you need help, just go to beyondbeatrixsurgery.com. We'll show you how. It's easy. And while you're on the website, check out our great online courses that we offer you. There's always something starting. We have a lot of new courses that'll be coming up over the next months and years and remember while you're there look for the right supplement you don't want the basic off-the-shelf vitamin supplement amanda has chosen the right ones and the products are there for you you'll find them in the shop so important to hear about all the issues you face and what you can do about them to stay empowered and move on your support of our various courses your products and supplements enables us to bring you the best podcast possible just like having karen here today and we appreciate you don't forget join our community share your story and your experiences on our facebook page at facebook.com beyond bariatric surgery i'll be watching for your post beyond bariatric surgery is produced and owned by practicalories llc all rights reserved remember the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient provider relationship it's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host, Great Ideas in Nutrition, or Practicalities, LLC.